Hello, you. Come on in. I hope you're well. So, yeah, I know it's slightly late in the year. I mean, birthday party was supposed to be early November, but, you know, time's been a little strange this year. I mean, the average day seems to last about, what, two and a half hours? I think the entirety of autumn was just three days in October. I completely missed it. I missed it. I mean, I hear it was shit, but... Still, because of all this loopy time stuff, yeah, I've only just got around to throwing Imaginary Vice's sixth birthday party. But, you know, better late than never. I can't let the six-year anniversary slip by. I mean, every year I manage to complete this insane project. It needs to be acknowledged somehow. Isn't that right, gang? I paid £1.50 for that sound effect. Worth it. Completely worth it. We deserve it. After all, who'd have thought that we'd still be together after all this time? The gang. You know, you, me, the entire podcast listenership, or as I like to call us, the four to seven thousand amigos. See, we're still here. They can't kill us. I mean, they've tried, but we're still here. And that's good. I gotta be honest, uh, this whole house of revelers is, is, is sort of triggering certain new 2020 anxieties. So maybe I can just. Hey, 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 hey. Now turn the music off. So turn it off. Party's over. I want everybody out now. No. Take your keg of beer and your fucking dungarees. Yes, you. No, don't do the running man. Run, not on the spot. Leave. I don't know which one of you it was. All right, someone's already stained my trompe l'oeil. My fucking mechanical bull is jammed. I want you out, 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 out. <sighs> Man. You know, I don't think I've ever killed a party in full swing before. I feel good. What a birthday treat. Anyway, obviously you can stay. Obviously I wasn't talking to you. Rather than have a big party, I think instead, like, why don't we just do something a bit more gentle, yeah? A bit more introspective. So, um, why don't we just uh, sit here together and um, go through the podcast mailbag. Let's just go through the mailbag. I mean, I've never done it before, but, um, you know, it's the birthday. It's allowed to be a bit more self-indulgent, right? You know, and the podcast does get some lovely electronic letters. So, uh, yeah, here we go. <clears throat> Dear Ross, I've never written before, but I am a techno DJ stroke artist writing from central London. I first started listening to your podcast one day when I was wallpapering the entire house of my ex-girlfriend. Suddenly, I realised I'd been hit in the face by God. Ever since, I've turned into a real zealot for the show. It's the best thing I've put into my ears in years. In fact, if it wasn't for the show, I wouldn't have discovered the ability to mind control a nest of murder hornets. 
However, I did have some issues with the episode containing your sound art rendering of what it would feel like to be swallowed by the bookie of your estranged father. Nor did I like the episode in which you screamed for 45 minutes about your lovely bus driver. Also, it's Patreon with an E. Otherwise, great job. Yours, Dennis. Dennis, thanks for the feedback. Um, I appreciate the uh, the florid description of your own enjoyment there. Your choice of metaphor of the show leaving you feeling as if you can control insects with your mind is a rich one. Suggesting empowerment and reassertion of one's connection to nature. I'm glad you feel that way. Sorry you didn't enjoy my epic poem to the Peterborough busways. I guess my mic might have been a little hot for that one. As for the episode about being swallowed by my dad's gambling associate, uh, a man known to the family as Each Way Gary, well, what can I say except uh, some pieces I make for this show are personal things that I'm working through myself. I, I have to make them, I'm afraid. I'm compelled to, but uh, I accept they're not for everyone. Anyway, next letter. <clears throat> Dear Ross, I've never written before, but I am a bus driver stroke ex-girlfriend. I first started listening to your podcast one day when I was hit in the face by a real zealot for the show. Suddenly, I realised I'd been wallpapering my father. If it wasn't for the show, I wouldn't have discovered E. However, I did have some issues with the episode in which you discovered the ability to mind control God. Also, it's Patreon with an E. Otherwise, great job. Yours, Dennis. Uh, thanks, Dennis. Uh, wow, it's so good to hear from you after all these years apart. As you said in your letter, um, you and I, we used to be a couple, though I didn't know you'd become a bus driver. Um, that's fantastic. Yes, I, uh, I do control the mind of God now. I, uh, hypnotised them with a corn maze. And now they do my bidding. Uh, must admit, I did consider keeping this whole chapter of my life to myself. I mean, you know, not everything that happens to me needs to end up in the podcast. I mean, I'll be a bit of privacy now and then. But in the end, I thought, nah, I'll, I'll do an episode about it. Who am I kidding? Yeah. I'm desperate for content. Anyway, um, thanks for reaching out, Dennis. Um, let's not leave it quite so long next time, yeah? Well, you know, we were more than friends once, you know. Be a shame if we lost that completely. Anyway, uh, let's just take one more letter. Okay. <clears throat> Dear Ross, I've never written before, but I am a techno father. I first started listening to your podcast one day when my entire house turned into a real strange face. 
Suddenly, I realised I'd been stroking my nest. However, I did have some issues with the episode in which murder hornets screamed into my ears for 45 years. Also, it's Patreon with an E. Otherwise, great job. Yours, Dennis. Dennis, thank you for your letter. Um, you say the podcast compelled you to, quote, stroke your nest, end quote. And um, I'm not personally familiar with that turn of phrase exactly, but uh, I can make some inferences. I hope that having your erotic reaction to the show wasn't too upsetting for you. I mean, personally, I have no problems at all with this reaction. I mean, I, I, I think it's wonderful. And um, there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with being sexually attracted to a podcast. But I am sorry that um, that you had a subsequent listening experience where nasty insects came flying out of your headphones and into your ears. Uh, the, the man I spoke to at SoundCloud said that uh, that, that kind of thing, it happens um, no more than once in every... 200 or so listens so hardly ever um apparently because of financing issues soundcloud had to sell off part of their storage space to murder hornet farmers and yes occasionally the lines get crossed so i am really sorry that this happened to you dennis and i'm even more sorry that the whole experience lasted you know well about the same length as the cold war you've had enough on your plate dennis what with being a robot and it being 2020 and everything so uh uh, I hope in time uh, you'll find it within your neural net to forgive me. Okay, uh, mailbag over. Next up, let's talk about Patron. Just a reminder that um, this podcast is funded through the support of its listeners. There are no adverts. Uh, thank you to all the Stone Cold Immortals who already support the show through Patreon. If you would like to join their ranks and walk together through the hallowed halls of the infinite, you can do so today. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Ross G Sutherland. You can pledge a monthly donation in exchange for bonus episodes, bonus films, and least of all, my everlasting love. Um, let me just add, I just released today a new film to my patron supporters who give $15 or more each month. Um, I try to do at least one film every year, and uh, this year it's an essay film on how David Lynch uses poetry to create horror in his films. Uh, the film also contains some new poetry from me, which I've inserted into some of the many non-dialogue scenes that occur in his film Inland Empire. So, uh, yeah, that's now available on Patreon to those supporters. Last year, I did a film about Dada filmmaker Hans Richter. The year before, I did a close analysis of the Halifax adverts featuring Howard. So there's a range of stuff, really. Uh, I'm also about to start releasing a more regular audio series for any Patreon supporter who gives $5 or more. And uh, that's a series of behind-the-scenes discussions with comedian and podcaster Angus Dunnikin. 
the first one is about the development of my miniseries Sex in the City, The Return, from earlier this year. And uh, yeah, that conversation is going to be dropping on Patreon in late December. It's going to be a semi-regular thing. I'm going to do like a whole bunch of them over the course of the year. Uh, just go to patreon.com, p-r-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash Frosty Sutherland. Uh, yeah. There's also a link in the show notes of the episode. Finally, on uh, this month's special birthday episode, I have a recording of uh, of a live gig I did. Um, it's one of the yeah, it's probably one of the last ever live shows that I did before COVID shut stuff down. It's a special Christmas show that I do every year with punk legend John Cooper Clark and uh, my fellow poets Martin Newell and Luke Wright. Um, I've been doing this gig basically on and off since I was 17 years old. It's a big part of my Christmas tradition. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to miss it a little bit this year. And uh, I still wanted to honour it somehow. So I thought I would play this piece that I wrote for the show last year. This was like my, my opening bit. Oh, hello. Oh, I'll give me a sec. Merry Christmas, by the way. This is a song about a person who does not exist. It's a fictional story. It's not real, it's not real. This person who does not exist they were an artist, an artist who wrote poetry and sometimes worked in French theatre. Let's call this person Rob. Rob was awarded a grant for £19,000 from an independent art charity in order to make a one-man show about mental illness, his mental illness. But then he decided, do you know what? Now that they've given me the money, why don't I just take that money and flip it? Just flip it instead. Take that money and use it to make more money. Doesn't that make sense? Yes. Did you know? For 19 grand, you can buy a kilogram of cocaine. I mean, uncut, it would cost more like 32 grand, give or take. But you can get a reasonably cut kilogram of cocaine for 19 grand. You know who to talk to? Obviously not Richard, my normal dealer. I mean, Rob's normal dealer. No, this would require downloading an I2P encrypted router, then spending about a month on a message board called Golden Dreams, trying to convince a guy called Zippy that he wasn't police. He had to send Zippy a scan of his passport. 
So it was really hard not to picture at the other end of the transaction the actual zippy from the TV show Rainbow, which only made the whole thing a lot scarier. Then he had to learn how to pay someone over the blockchain, moving the entire grant into something called Litecoin, whatever that is. And then Zippy said, all right, now you have to go to this address in Southampton. And the girl who answered the door looked absolutely terrified. Not like Zippy at all. Probably wasn't Zippy, actually. It's probably just someone who owed Zippy a favor. There, there was a bum bag sitting on the doorstep, she said. Is that yours? Rob said, y yes. And he took it and left. The average street price of cocaine is about 45 pounds a gram. Even though that's the cheapest cocaine has been since about 1990, that's still 45,000 pounds, a 26,000 pound profit. <laughs> Rob realized they could probably cut the cocaine with baby laxative, stretch it out by another couple of G's, another couple of G's. 50 grand, imagine, imagine, imagine the kind of show about mental illness you could make for 50 grand. You could even have a set and you could pay someone to design your posters instead of fucking doing it all yourself. Of course, yes. One problem, though, is that he wouldn't have the money to make the show until he sold all that cocaine. And that's a lot of cocaine. And yet, paradoxically, the best way to sell all that cocaine was to engineer a situation where he could meet a new group of vulnerable middle-class people in a different town every night. <laughs> Ideally, people who were bad with money <laughs> and life decisions. Maybe the kind of people who would come to a spoken word show. He could even advertise his capacity as a drug dealer to his audience directly through the artwork itself under the pretense of it being art. Oh seven seven one nine so two five. Oh seven seven. Those were just some numbers. They didn't mean anything at all. It was around this time Rob realized that, I mean, if he only sold one gram every single one of these gigs, it was going to take him a really long time for him to make his money back. In fact, the costs of running his fake show, which was, let's not forget, thank you. The costs of running his fake show, which was, of course, let's not forget, purely a cocaine delivery system, was still high enough. 
he'd effectively be losing money on every single gig after he'd pay for hotel and transport just to cover overheads. He'd probably have to sell his acoustic guitar. And every night after the show, after he'd exchanged drugs for cash at 11 p.m. exactly at the loading bay around the back, Rob would lie in bed with his bum bag and his plans, imagining, imagining the kind of show about mental illness he would one day make for 50 grand. One day, one day, he would come out on stage and talk openly about his brain pain and his, yes, very probable addiction to cocaine and his ballsack problems. And yet he would feel safe and he would feel okay because for once he would be getting adequately paid. Also, he would finally be selling a product he believed in. Autobiographical misery. Autobiographical misery. You sing it with me. Autobiographical misery. Autobiographical misery. The crowd hoovering it up. But until he was rich wasn't worth the risk selling drugs on stage was a way less risky pitch tonight and uh, I realized it is my real phone number that I give out though and I'm glad I'm glad it has to have a certain ring of authenticity to it also later the night after the last time I did it someone did uh, text me and ask me if I did for real have any snowman emoji uh, uh, and I'm just glad I just like if someone is gonna mistake it it is better that they that it's me that lets them down you're mad, 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 you're mad.